We are in Alma 46 today. And as you know, this battle with the Lamanites is over. And it was a huge miracle and obvious to those who battled in Tamaroni especially. And we start off in verse 1 and it says, And it came to pass that as many as would not hearken to the words of Helaman, the prophet. So there again are those words, would not. And his brethren were gathered together against their brethren. And I love that it uses the word brethren because that denotes family. It denotes caring. It denotes love and bonds. And would not is a choice. Would not means you know better. Okay, and it tells us they were so wroth, which wroth is an anger, a tool of Satan, that they were determined to slay them. They wanted to mur murder their brethren in the gospel, their brethren, their members of their church. And it tells us that the leader of this was Amalekiah, who was desirous to be king. So his whole desire is to lead. And that tells us pride. And most of those who dissented, most of those who followed him were lower judges. So those who believed they should have power. Those who wanted power. And um, okay, that's who would support. And, they, and I love that in five, it says they were led by the flatteries. And flatteries is an illusion. Flattery is something said to get you to do something. It's a false promise. Okay, so this is the language of Amalekiah. And in verse 6, it says, They were led away by Amalekiah to dissensions, notwithstanding the preaching of Helaman and his brethren, notwithstanding the exceeding great care over the church. And I love this because it is not, it is stating very clearly, this was not because of anything the prophet did or the leaders or the apostles of the church did. This was, they would not. And the apostles and the prophets were doing everything in their power. And I love that it says that, the exceeding great care. So that we don't make any mistake thinking this was some lack in their corner. This was all lack in those members of the church who were being led away. Okay, and I love in verse 7 that it says that it was a very, um, those who dissented, the people of Nephi were the state of their affairs was exceeding precarious and dangerous, notwithstanding the great victory they had had over the Lamanites. So notwithstanding this incredible miracle, notwithstanding knowing the Lord had worked this, they have now explained it away. They have now justified it. And you are on dangerous ground. You are on dangerous territory. You're on the line. And I love that it says this precarious and dangerous stand state the affairs. And then I love in verse eight, it says, and thus we see how quick the children of men do forget the Lord, their God. How quick are they to explain it away, to justify and to not stay on his side. And if I could center on this one thing, it would be this very statement. How quick do we forget the Lord, our God? And so reading this, what is the lesson he wants us to learn? What is the lesson, how we stay and we don't forget? Because it's never to point fingers and say, how dare they? It's to look and go, oh my gosh, do you see how quickly that happens? I don't want that to happen. So what do I need to do so that doesn't happen? And I love in verse 9, it says, And yea, we see the great wickedness one very wicked man can cause to take place among the children of men. And we've had this discussion with Noah. 
And it's just so important that we surround ourselves with wise people. We can reach out and hope to love and bring back others, but we ourselves have got to be surrounded by wise, our wise. That same thing I've told you guys about the parable of the foolish and the wise. Who are your five wise? Who have you surrounded yourselves with so that when you start to slip, they're right there helping, testifying of truth and reminding you of the things that you know are true. And it reminded me of a conference talk once a long time ago or an article in the Ensign. And it was the story of the people who lowered the paralytic paralytic man through the roof to be by the Savior, to be healed of the Savior. And the title of the talk or the article was, or the premise of the article is, do you have friends who would dismantle a roof and do all in their power to lower you to the feet of the Savior to be healed? Do you have those kind of friends? And are you that kind of friend that you would take your friend who needed to be healed, who was sick and who was struggling, to the feet of the Savior. And I love that because that's how important this whole lesson is of who we've surrounded ourselves with. Okay, so it tells us also in 10 that their whole desire is to destroy the church of God. So lest you think this is just someone who wants to lead, his whole goal is to destroy the church. And that just goes right back to the very beginning of time. That was Satan's plan, no liberty, no choice, and destroy the plan of God, the liber- the church of God and our liberty. Same thing. And it tells us Moroni is so bugged, so angered by this. And I love that because he knows they've just come from this miraculous um, victory over the Lamanites and knowing God's hand in this. And it tells us he rips his coat. And here we have the title of liberty. And you know the title of liberty in memory of our God, our religion, our freedom, our peace, our wives, our children. And he fastened it to the pole. And the reason I love this is it's so much like Moses raising the brass serpent. All they have to do is look to the pole, look to the serpent, look to the title of liberty, which all centers on God and our religion and live. And would you not look and live? And so I love that he does that. Okay, so jump to verse 14. It says for thus, um, so he rents this and he goes and he, and it says, so long as that he prays to God, that they will have the backing of God and his blessing. So long as there should be a band of Christians that remain to possess the land. And we have that promise, but I love that he prays for this. And that's the end of 13. But I wanted to jump to 14 for it says, for thus were all the true believers of Christ who belong to the church of God called by those who did not belong to the church. Okay, this is the first time we have this title of Christian. And this hit me for the very first time this morning as I read. They were given that title by those who did not belong to the church. It was a sneering, a jeering title. Remember how the Zormites did not believe in Christ and believed that they were so superior to everyone else that they had been informed there would not be a Christ? This was huge for them to have faith in something that had not happened yet. We get to have faith. It's already happened. For these people, it's still not happened. And so they're jeeringly doing this like it's a nickname and it's not a pleasant nickname, they think. But I love in 15, it says, and those who did belong to the church were faithful. Yea, all of those who are true believers in Christ took upon them the name gladly. 
They were thrilled by this nickname. They were so happy. And I love that because this nickname has stuck through all generations of time. And even Christ said, you should be called by the name of Christ. So I love that. That had never hit me before. And so I just really love that it says they took the name gladly. Okay, so now it goes down to 18 and he says, Surely God shall not suffer that we who are despised because we take the name of Christ shall be trodden down and destroyed unless we bring it upon ourselves by our transgression. We are only defeated when we remove ourselves from Christ. We abandon him. He will never abandon us. It is our choices. And I love that. And then I love in 20 and all those, he says, behold, whosoever will maintain this title, let them come forth in the strength of the Lord and enter into a covenant to maintain their rights and their religion. So he's going to have them re-covenant because he knows there is power in covenants. And it's the same thing as the anti-Nephi-Lehi's when they buried their weapons of war and covenanted with God. We bring God's blessings that come when they are bound. God is a God of law. And when we covenant, those blessings have to come forth if we honor those covenants. But we don't have a right to those blessings unless we covenant. So here's Moroni who knows this, knows of the power of covenants, and we need God's power in our life. And so he wants them to re-covenant, recommit. And I love this. And in verse 21, what really I love about this is it says, and it came to pass when Moroni proclaimed these words, the people came running. There was no half-heartedness in this. They were so excited to recommit, recovenant, retell God how willingly they were to follow him. And I love that. I remember when I got my patriarchal blessings, one blessing, I was 13. But one of the things that so touched me is it said I was one who proclaimed aloud when the pro- when the plan was laid forth that I wanted Christ's plan, that I wanted to follow Christ. And that as a 13 year old and even now made me cry that it was not half hearted, that I not did not just raise my hand, but that I proclaimed aloud and wanted to others to know who I followed. So when it said running, that so touches me in 21 that they're not walking, they're running saying, God, I am with you and I will recovenant and recommit. And I love that. Okay, and then it tells us that they rent their garments and threw them at the feet of Moroni and said, just like Joseph, whose coat was rent by his brethren, let us be dashed in pieces if we don't keep the commandment and cast off and sold or slain. And I love that they use this example of Joseph and they use their garments and it is a covenant. It's an example. And I think what a beautiful example. Let us be sold or slain or And treated as Joseph was if we don't stand by God and keep our blessing. But then they also say, let us preserve our liberty and let us be preserved as Joseph was if we are faithful and if we keep that covenant. And I just love the visualization of that. I think it is so beautiful. Okay, and then it tells us in 28, as we go forth in this story, he gathers, he goes from land to land with this title of liberty and gathers all of those who are willing to come and fight for liberty against Amalekiah. 
And it came to pass, it says in 29, when Amalekiah saw the people of Moroni, those who were for liberty, those who were for righteousness, just like the war in heaven, were more than those who were with him. And when he saw that, he leaves. He becomes doubtful of their ability to do this, and he leaves with many. Well, Moroni knows that this is not going to end well. He can't just let him go off. He's got to cut them off and destroy this because he knows what will happen. They'll join with the Lamanites. It's happened before. They've seen this pattern over and over and over. So he goes to cut them off. And when he gets close to cut them off, Amalekiah in verse 33 flees with a small number of men and the remainder are delivered up to Moroni. And they have the choice that they can either covenant and join in this covenant to um, do the, the title of liberty and join with this band or they will be put to death. And it tells us in 35, few denied and were put to death. And the others were given the opportunity to repent and be taught and remember the things they knew were true. And I love that. And then I love in 36, it came to pass that he caused the title of liberty to be hoisted on every tower in all the land that was possessed by the Nephites. And thus Moroni planted the standard of liberty. And what I have here is, that's like billboards. What do you see on our billboards or what TV commercials do you see or what is the thing that reminds you of your God? What do we have? And I, so what I have here is I said, what has your family hoisted throughout your house that everywhere you look, you know your title of whatever? Is it a title of liberty? Is it a title of family? Is it a title of God? Do you have pictures of the temple? Do you have pictures of Christ? Do you have pictures of family on your walls? What is it that your family has hoisted on your walls that represents your title and what you're fighting for. And that would be a conversation I would have. I really loved the analogy of that, of thinking, what have I hoisted on my walls for my my children to know what we are fighting for, what we are living for. And I love that. And so then it says that they have peace and it goes on for four years and we'll go on to see what Amalekiah is doing in that time. Amalekiah the Amalekiah Heights, which is different than the Amalekites, um, which can be confusing, but we'll know what they're doing. We'll see the pattern that Amalekiah is doing in this time as we go forward. But I love that it says that they have rejoicing. And it says in 39, redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ, and thus they went out of the world rejoicing, people who died. And it, it details in 39 through 40 and 41 how people died of fevers, people um, died of old age. And the reason it says that is because it's not war in those four years. And I love that it says in 41, those who died in the faith of Christ are happy in him. And I love that this all centers on that there is peace in Christ in 37 and they began to have peace again in the land. And thus they maintained peace in the land till the, nearly the end of the 19th year of the reign of the judges, four years. And we've been told in the scriptures again and again, peace comes through the word of Christ. That's how we are given peace. So I love in these four years, obviously these people looked at this title of liberty and they were bound to Christ and they were determined in their faith to fight for that liberty and to remember what they were fighting for and that the words of Christ bring peace and they died knowing where they were going. And I love that. 
I love this example of hoisting your title of liberty in this discussion with your kids. What have we hoisted? What's in your bedroom? What's on your walls? What's on our, the walls of our home? What are we fighting for as a family? What do we believe in? Because believe me, if we're not hoisting something, if we're not fighting for something, how slowly, how quickly the scriptures say, but sneakily Satan is, that's not slow, sorry, how sneakily Satan sneaks in and how quickly we forget the Lord our God and how quickly we forget to be valiant and how important those little things are of daily prayers and scripture studies and come follow me. I love this example. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know the Lord loves you.